In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a hundred million dollar real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I'm so excited to have this amazing guest here with me, Wookie Lanier. Hello, Wookie. How are you? Hi, fam. I'm well. How are you? Lovely. Life is good. You're beaming, and I love it. <laughs> uh, such an honor to have you here today. I'm so, so excited to talk about your story and hear all about you today. I'm absolutely mesmerized by you and your passion and everything you've got going on and just your spirit overall in general. And I just can't wait for you to share your story. So I guess we'll roll forward with how about your life in a nutshell to date? And we'll kind of reverse from there. Today, uh, you know, with the pandemic and everything is going on, you know what? It's not as bad as one would hope. I actually have the shingles. Um, so <laughs> kind of, you know, going through that right now, just last week, right? So I'm kind of dealing with the shingles um, as we speak. So hopefully I start feeling much better in a few weeks, I was told. So yeah, it's, it's been 2020 for sure. <laughs> 2020 for sure. Oh my goodness. So I guess we could start with, you know, how we got connected. So basically your husband went, I went to Stonehill with him and he's awesome. I yeah, love him. He's good. so great. He's so, so great. So we connected through him, which is super awesome. And I was absolutely blown away by your story. So you grew up in Liberia. I did. Yes. Yes. I grew up, I, I was actually born in the U.S. I went back when I was one because my mother, it was hard for her to, um, have her infant and trying to make life for herself. So it was easier um, to send me back home to my father mm. while, she, you know, figure out life and bring the rest of the family um, to America. So she did send me back um, to Africa. So I stayed there until I was 10. So nine years I was in, Africa. obviously I didn't stay there that long because I wanted to, there was civil war. So I was kind of stuck there, you know, for that period of time. But uh, it was interesting to say the least, right? Life was very different then than what it is now. So, but I'm grateful, you know, I'm grateful for the experience. Oh my gosh. So what, what was it like, like living there up until you were 10 years old, meaning like culture, well, you wouldn't have remembered anything being one and then coming here. It was probably the reverse when you came back to the US. What was it like growing up there and then coming back to the US and being like, because I know it's a totally different it was. <laughs> you know, growing up there when I was younger, things was okay. But then when the Civil War happened and everything got destroyed, you know, we didn't have running water, right? So we had to drink from a well or a pump, right? And, um, we didn't have stove in our house, so we didn't cook with our stove, right? We actually had coal, put kerosene on and lit it and cooked that way. We didn't have TV. So I didn't grow up, um, you know, watching TV and, and certain things. I mean, I'm telling you, it was night and day. Coming back when I was 10 and seeing how the kids acted, so I was much more mature, for sure, right? Because I was dealing with real life issues at, at a very young age, right? So definitely, like, not the same, different. Okay. different upbringing right and but then again it made me who i am and that's why 
I am the way that I am because of my um, upbringing. That's so, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. yeah I, so I was born in Albania and then I went to Italy, and but I would go back and forth. And then I came to the U.S. when I was five. So going back and forth when I would go back to Albania to see my grandparents and everybody, it was like the same thing there. It was still a communist country. So like there was, you know, electricity, it was not reliable. You know, the water, it's like once it shuts off, like you don't get showers past like eight o'clock like crazy. So I get what you're saying. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like, definitely, definitely different. So I grew up in a whole different time. And, I, and it's funny because I tell James this quite often. God forbid if anything happened in the US, right? I will survive. I'm surviving, right? Because I know how to survive. I don't need Netflix or anything like that. I'll be fine cooking. I got that cover. All right. <laughs> You're like, I got this. I like kerosene. This is nothing. I got this. Over, nothing. Pack. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Like I'm good. <laughs> so, 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 and then transitioning back into life in the United States is like, probably a total culture shock and I know it kind of was for me just like you know I remember coming home and like first day of first grade because my name like in in Albanian and in Italian is Pamela that's how like my family would call me and everything and then I came here and people would be like Pamela and like I went home and cried to like my parents I'm like they don't say my name right <laughs> like having like a meltdown <laughs> I was like talking about name you know what my name is <laughs> oh god you're like that's not my name how was that butchering it left and right i'm sure even up to today okay i work i would never forget this one for work i work with the department of defense right mm -hmm. and i recall i was on the phone with one of the um employees for the military base because we do a, a military contract right mm -hmm. so I'm on the phone about an issue with the military base and we're having a conversation. I tell the gentleman, hi, you know, this is Wookie at the time passed away calling from so-and-so. He laughed. I wasn't sure what was funny. And he laughed and he was like, oh, you are funny. Is that Wookie? Is that your real name? And I'm like, what? He was like, is, is that your real name? I was like, well, first of all, I'm calling a government official. Why would I need use a nickname? You know, I was like, no, no, no. Oh. and I laughed with him. I was like, no, 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 this is my um, rap name. They call me Little Wook. Like, what did you expect, right? <laughs> like, what? So I get that all the time. And then obviously we laughed about it a little bit, you know, we got um, into business. But like I said, even at work, I constantly, my name, I mean, it's literally always a 10 minute conversation until we get to what the issue is. You know, there are times now where I even use fake names because I don't feel like discussing you know, it woke up with some Star Wars or, you know, if I, it's just, I'm done. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Now. So, you know, I literally change my name um, quite often sometimes just to avoid having the conversation where to Wookiee come from, right? So. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. I can kind of resonate with you on that. I, oh man. Culture shock, you know what I mean? When when you come here, it's like a totally different way of life. Like what I knew, and I was just young, you know, and it was crazy because like you know, Albania at the time when when my parents left was also is the collapse of communism. So there was kind of a civil war going on between the democratic parties, the ones who were trying to come in, versus the communist parties. Except for our dictator, all of a sudden turned democrat. Oh wow. 
Yeah, which you know what that means. You know, you're just basically changing names just to say. Exactly. And so it was like, I just remember like, you know, I was, I'd be go up to the window and like my grandmother would pull me, you know, at nighttime. And she, she's like, and I would see the tanks outside and she's like, Pam, don't go to the window because they'll shoot. They don't oh, care. Yeah. Oh, oh, bullets all over the place. Oh my God. Was it the same I, thing? It, it was worse, actually. I mean, obviously it was worse in a sense that where they would actually take you from your home. They took you out of your home, raped the girls, the little boys were soldiers. It, it was bad. I mean, we even have, I was a refugee, actually, a refuge in Cote d'Ivoire, in Ivory Coast for a few years. It was that bad. Yeah, it was gruesome. Oh my God. You know, when we got back home, our home was burned down. You know, there was bodies. It was bad. Oh, it was, I imagine going through that at a very young age, right? And then coming here where, you know, all the kids are very young-minded, you know, they are children, as they should be, right? Right, right. I've already seen so much right. in life, right? It was, it, cultures were different. It was, yeah. At 10 years so, old? It was actually younger when I went through, I was like five, six, like throughout, because we had three wars, actually. We had one in 1990, then we had October 15, 1995, and then April 6, 1996. So we had three different wars that I was part of. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So every time, you know, you're running, you don't know where you're going, you're running, there's bullets all over the place. Yeah. Wow. I can't imagine that. And, you know, obviously those, those experiences have shaped you now, but I just like, wow. Absolutely. Which is why no battle is too big for me at this point, right? I think I've been through a lot and nothing is going to um, take me away or, you know, deter me from being who I am for the simple fact that I've, I've been through it. Oh, I think <laughs> a warrior, and I and I love you for that. I think it's so amazing. And so, I guess we can get into you know, so shifting into the United States. How was that experience? You know, sort of coming in from a totally different space and then kind of shifting into that. It was hard. It wasn't easy, right? Because I had a strong. I mean, I still have the accent now, but it's better, right? Coming here, I mean, I spoke French growing up, so I didn't know English at the time, and I learned English, and then I forgot French. <laughs> Right, so that happened, but you know, kind of getting to know the kids and interacting with the kids obviously was hard. They didn't understand what I was saying because I had an accent. But um, my mom actually enrolled me in a really, really good school. I went to a private school, and um, the resources that they had was amazing. Right, I had a speech therapist. I mean, they gave me a lot of attention and kind of like shaped me. Right, because it, I really haven't really been to school because of the war, right? So I was in school and then the war would happen, we'll flee, we'll come back. So I was behind, you know, I, I was behind. So having gone to a private school where I got so much attention and there were so many resources, it really helped me and build that foundation that I hadn't had, you know, while growing up. So the first year initially was hard and then I got malaria. <laughs> the first year so i was in a hospital for like months right so uh <laughs> just one thing after the next but the transition was hard at first but then after a year or so i kind of got accustomed i was a kid i was still young i was 10 so i just very quickly so and i started making friends it got easier it got easier and then i went to high school then college then i'm here now yes right? it wasn't bad it was hard at first but i quickly adapted Mm. Yeah. And and then after college you met the love of your life. Oh yeah, the love, all right. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> year one into marriage. Okay, <laughs> for a sight for sure. But yes, 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 yes. I then yes, and I met James. Obviously, we're neighbors. Yeah, that's how I all started. The neighbor. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that's so cute. That's so cute. I love him. That's awesome. And then you know, yeah, we had your wedding last year. Yes, we got married in Jamaica. It was amazing. It was beautiful. Yeah, and then, you know, we flew out to um, Europe and we did our honeymoon there. And I mean, everything was so blissful. It was really nice. It was nice, right? And then we came back thinking we're gonna live happily ever after, which we are, but, you know, we just thought everything would be so beautiful. We'll come back home. We'll go back to work. We'll start, you know, creating a beautiful family. Oh yeah, life was great. (laughs) Well, we had another thing, you know, (laughs) coming for us that we didn't even know. Right. So, I mean, after coming back and all that, that's when I got a diagnosis that I had breast cancer. So that kind of changed things quickly. Wow. You know, quickly. Like whatever plants we had wasn't a plant anymore, obviously. Right. So now we had to address my illness um, and then kind of like revamp everything and try to see how we could do to help me to get better you know, to continue with those plans. Right. How did you, did you just have an instinct to like go and get checked or how did that sort of come about? It's crazy. I was, um, it was a self-check, you know, I was in a shower and uh, I felt myself and it was a little lump. It wasn't anything to be concerned about. It's just there. It's not, you know, if it's not the size of a, you know, a, a tennis ball or a golf ball, right? You're really not concerned about it. But yeah, it was a little long. So I went to my doctor and my doctor said, oh, you know, I don't think it's anything. But to be on a safe side, you're young, you know, we'll just do an ultrasound, not a mammogram. We'll just do an ultrasound because you're very young. And so I said, okay, you know, I don't think it's anything. So let's just check it just to clear it out. So therefore, my mind is not wandering or thinking of anything. And she went ahead and sent me to go get an ultrasound. So I went and got an ultrasound and uh, the technician said, you know, your ultrasound's a little off, your classification looks a little weird, but but since you're already here, let's just do a mammogram. I was like, okay. I didn't think anything of it. I was like, sure, why not? You know, I'm here, let's do a mammogram, let's get it over with. So she did a mammogram and then she asked me to go back again to do another one. And I, you know, we did more and then she came back. She said, well, your classification, you know, the way it has grown, 40% of the time is benign, but I would just want you to get a biopsy anyways, just to go check. And I was like, okay. And again, I didn't think I was concerned, but I'm really concerned, but I will say, Say, I was very, very surprised at all they were doing, right? Because I'm so young and it wasn't like a big lump. And I've heard a story in the past where women have gone there with bigger lump than than what I had that was told, oh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. It's nothing, you know, it's benign, whatever the case is. But the fact that my lump was as little as it was and the fact that they were going above and beyond just to make sure is literally, listen, because I've heard so many stories. So I did a biopsy and um, like a week later, that's when I got a phone call and they said, well, you know, um, it's cancer. And of course I was nervous and she said, but the fact that you were so proactive and you came in as soon as you felt something is early. So detection is the key. So it was so early on that we were able to go ahead and, and rectify, you know, the cancer before it got worse. So early detection is the key. Right. Yeah. Right. And thank God they were able to get yeah. early. Yes, they were able to catch it early. And um, then uh, my oncologist suggested that I get a, a mastectomy just for the simple fact that how it grew was so long and I'm a small individual, right? I'm very petite. And um, she thought it would be best to go ahead and get a mastectomy. So I, you know, 
I agree with her. You know, I thought it was the best case scenario. Let's just go ahead and do it. So uh, originally it was supposed to be an, an easy, easy procedure, quick. It was early. We got a mastectomy. Three months later, you'll get your implant and you'll be done. You will have to be on a pill, obviously, for five years um, to suppress your, um, your estrogen because it was ER positive. And when you get cancer, to determine what is feeding the cancer, and for me, it was the estrogen. So um, they would have given me pills to suppress that, which would then put me um, where I couldn't have kids while I was on the medication. That was the plan, right? It was a quick plan. And so I was all for it. So we got the mastectomy in, oh, a year this month, in October. We got in October. Yes, we got in October and you know, everything was great. And then I was, I was, it was a lot of discomfort. Right? I was in a lot of pain. I just wasn't sure what the pain was for. There wasn't any change to the skin of my, um, of where the incision happened. Usually if there is a change in color, then there's an infection, but there wasn't anything. Everything was perfectly fine. I was just in pain consistently. And I remember and, and three months later, which was in December, I'm laying in bed and I started leaking and I was like, James, look, and we were looking at it and I called my doctor, you know, and thank God I had his direct cell phone number. I called him and I said, hey, look, this, and I sent him a picture of this, what's happening? He's like, oh, that shouldn't be happening. And he was like, well, um, if something's going out, that means something's going in. So we need to get you into the OR um, tomorrow. So I said, okay. So we went to the hospital. He said, all right, well, you know, we might just do the implant now, right? He's like, there's three things that could happen or two things, I forget what he said, but he said, one, I'll go take it out and I'll exchange it, right? And I'll put your implant in and you'll be good to go. Two, uh, well, if it's bad, you know, and I feel like you're not ready for an implant, I'll take out the tissue expander, which is used to expand the tissue after an mastectomy. He's like, and then I'll go ahead and put in another one, right? And he's like, worst case scenario, worst case scenario, what I would do, is actually remove everything, leave you flat chested and treat the infection depending on how bad it is because we don't know until we get in there, right? So I said, like, okay, awesome. I, you know, went in thinking, oh, I'm going to come out and I'm going to have my new booze and I'm going to be happy and life's going to be back to normal, right? We did the surgery and uh, I remember waking up and the first thing that I did, I, I just touched myself real quick because now I'm trying to fill my my new boo in. I'm yeah. like, no. Yeah, I touched my side and I see like these drains. I felt the drains. Then when I felt the drains, um, that's when I knew it was the worst case scenario, right? And I just, I remember I just started crying. <laughs> I was just so sad because <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, right? So it's like starting the whole process all over again. So I really wasn't expecting that. So I remember I was just like crying. I'm just like, no, you know, um, yeah, it was sad. It was, it, it was very sad. And, and this was all in December, right? Like a week before Christmas. And I remember I had a Christmas party. And I have an annual ugly sweater party and uh, I've already scheduled it, right? So I wasn't going to cancel it now. And all my friends came together. It was like, don't worry, we'll cook, we'll clean, we'll do everything for you, you know, just relax, you you know. And I wanted to have it because I want a sense of normalcy, right? Yeah. So I'll never forget. And I also had like a work trip too. And again, I didn't have to go to work. I didn't have to do anything, but I just needed to keep myself distracted, right? I needed something. I just can't stay home. Right. And I needed to keep myself distracted while in the meantime, I'm working on this business uh, that I actually came up with when I got my first surgery, when a lot of things, uh, when the, the bras and things that I was getting from the hospital was very uncomfortable and just the work and life balance and going through this, uh, the things that were available uh, didn't satisfy me. Right. It didn't meet the needs. So I started coming up with these ideas and, and doing different things. So while going, all, going through everything, 
in my mind, I'm starting this business, I'm putting it together, um, I'm writing things, just kind of putting everything into perspective, right? So going back to the day of the party, I got a phone call from my doctor and um, I remember, I recall, he said, hey, listen, I sent the some of your tissue to the pathologist and it came back and said that there is still some of the cancer remained is non-invasive. So that's a good thing, but we don't know exactly where it's coming from, like which parts um, of your chest is coming from. So uh, we had a meeting about you and we might have to revisit other treatment options, you know, and you will get a call from the radiologist and the medical oncologist. So now I'm thinking in the beginning, it should have been a quick operation, right? Operation, new boobs yeah. on a pill done with. So now you're saying, okay, everything changed around now. I might be having to get radiation. And it was a lot. It was to say the least, it, it was a lot. It was a lot. And um, I recall going to my radiologist and she telling me, you know, Wookie, this is a unusual case. I've never had a case like this before. She said, uh, usually I've never had anyone who got the procedure then three months later, got an infection, and then we find out that there might still be, you know, there, there not might, but there is still uh, some cancer there. And she's like, I just never had this before. So she says, my recommendation is for you to get radiation to kill anything that's remaining, right? Because you're still young. However, uh, I think a second opinion wouldn't be bad as well. So I went ahead to the second opinion and then radiation was the ultimate decision. So then I went ahead and did the radiation for six weeks, Monday through Friday, and which I finished that actually in July. Yeah. So that was, yeah, it was a lot. So now I'm waiting for my next surgery to remove the tissue expander because before radiation, I had to get another surgery to put back in the expander, right? So the radiation done um, compromised the skin. So we had to put it in to stretch out the skin, do the radiation. And now I'm waiting for my next surgery, which would be to go ahead and uh, put it in the implant. Wow. Oh my God. Right. Definitely a journey. I didn't expect it to be this long of a journey. I thought it was going to be, you know, I mean, nothing is ever easy and I get it. You know, I just expected it to be a smoother journey, given the fact that um, it was caught early, but apparently you just never know what life throws at you. Right. So you just need to be ready when you're going through something as cancer. You just, you, you never know. You never know. Right. And yeah. you know, the beautiful thing is it reminds me of the lotus flower kind of thing, you know, that you, it, in the middle of all this like chaos, you're still thinking about something positive, like starting a business to help other people who are going through it. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. That is what I find like truly remarkable about you because most people in your situation would like sit in a corner and just kind of isolate you know, from the world. And there's some worries out there. Don't get me wrong. But like the fact that your mind went straight to like, how can my experience help other people? I think is like, it just speaks volumes about you, your character and who, what you're all about in your spirit. I just think it's amazing. So I'll get into the asking the questions on pink though, but because I know there's going to be a lot of people listening to this, that cancer has touched their lives some way, somehow 
whether it's themselves personally or somebody that they know, a family member, friend, coworker, what have you, you know, the experience, your experience of what would you share would be like one of the biggest things, you know, for anybody who's diagnosed or somebody close to them diagnosed, like what would be like your pieces of advice to them? Because that moment can be so chaotic. And I dealt with it personally with my grandfather having pancreatic cancer and they, so, but he lived on for almost two more years. Wow. You know, and he went to treatment and we gave him um, Rick Simpson oil, the the marijuana oil, and like it helped him. It reversed it at one point, which was like crazy, you know, but it's like, I remember when he got his diagnosis, like how heavy that felt. And it wasn't even me, you know, and it's like, in your experience, what would be like your biggest pieces of advice to anyone who's listening? About support. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that it's easy, right? Because everyone handles situation differently. So I tried to be mindful um, of the people. I handle it differently, right? I was optimistic through it all. And I smiled and I went to work and I pretended, you know, that it wasn't happening, even though it was. Not everyone have a mind like that, right? Some people, this is a traumatic experience, you know? So the support is the key. You need a strong support system because, I mean, you could put up all the happy face you want to, but internally, um, you are always thinking, you know, am I going to make it? Am I, you know, if, is this going to happen again to me? The reoccurrence is it's a scary feeling. And it's so important to have people that support you and around you and that love you and just let you know that everything is going to be okay. So, I mean, going through this, having a support system is the key because I had my husband and he was amazing and my sisters and, you know, my coworkers and I mean, my job, right? Amazing people that was surrounding me and it made things so much easier for me, right? Having them around just being supportive and, you know, friends coming to my doctor's appointment with me and saying, well, okay, it's okay to cry. It, it was amazing. You know, just having that group and just knowing that people care for you and love you and want you to, to get well, it gave you that push, you know, to do better. It makes you wake out of bed every day and say, you know what, I'm not just doing this for me. I'm doing this for the people around me who love me. You know, want to see me go or be depressed, whatever the case scenario is. So just having a strong support um, network is essential going through something like this. You know, you could be in a very dark place. It's funny that you said that because going back to my Christmas party that I had, you know, when I got that initial phone call letting me know there was something, I had, I don't know, about 40 people in my house. And that moment, I had everyone around me. Not everyone knew about it, but I had so many people. But yeah, I felt so alone. Like there was everyone around me, right? Everyone's having a good time. And I just literally just wanted to break down and cry, right? Like, and no one knew that, obviously. And it was different. And I remember, I recall my best friend came, oh, look, let's open a champagne, let's toast. And I was like, no, I'm all set. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, what, what am I toasting for? Yeah. Well, what am I toasting for? I just found out this news. I don't even know what's going to happen. I have to go see a radiologist. I have to see this. Like, it was depressing. It was. It, it really was. But, you know, then the next day, everyone came over. The people who knew came over and we sat down. We had a conversation and said, don't worry about it. You know, it'll be fine. Whatever you need. That literally what really, you know, put me through. Literally, to just the support, the support and the friends and the cards and, you know, the flowers, you know, the little things. The, it, it was just a little thing coming over. We're watching, you know, Netflix together, uh, a Lifetime Movie Network, which I love. <laughs> you know, just, you know, things like that. It puts you through just having a strong support because you can have so many people around you. You could feel so alone. Right. Yeah. You know, going through it. So. You just need people who really love you and care for you. And just, it's a reminder to say, hey, listen, we're here, whatever it is that you need. And that's important. 
Awesome. And so since you were mentioning, like your doctors were mentioning that you were so young going through this experience, like what did you realize was missing for young people diagnosed with cancer at a young age? Sorry, I was at the educational part of it, right? Because what we need to realize is that I'm sure you've heard this, right? Oh, you get a mammogram when you're 40, right? Or you don't have to worry um, about breast cancer uh, because chances you're going to get it if it runs in your family, right? But I mean, through my research, I've realized 75% of people who actually get cancer, there's no relations, it's not genetic at all, right? So number one, that's a misconception. Number two, saying, oh, you need to be 40 to get a mammogram, uh, that's also a misconception to the cause, right? Because you have women who are getting breast cancer at an early age. You know, I read an article of a 23-year-old that's getting breast cancer. You know, she hasn't even begun life yet, right? And she is faced with this disease. So it's the educational part. And not only getting cancer at any stage in your life is hard, right? Whether you're 40, 50, 60, 70, 30, it's hard, right? Getting it at an early age, what makes it worse, I believe, for women who are in their 20s or in their 30s, are what we need to understand is that we just begun our lives, right? Job. We just started in our career, right? Some of us have recently got married. We have, we want to have children. Right. Some of the treatments that is given is so invasive that you need to be put in early menopause. Like I mentioned before, I had to take those pills for five years, which will limit my ability to have children for five years. Now you have to understand that when you're trying to have children, they say the decline start at 35, 36, perhaps, right? And you think about you on a pill for five years, right? You're 32, 33, that brings you at 38. By the time you start trying, you are, it's harder. It's already hard without even having cancer. Imagine having cancer, going on these invasive treatments, right? That actually hurt your fertility. So when you get cancer at a young age, and you don't understand it, and you're not thinking of having a family at the time, right? When you are ready, it's, a, it's an issue. So I believe education is essential when it comes to this. My friend, Laura, who got diagnosed, and you know, she and her husband have been married for a few years now. They want to have children, right? And good thing she was educated enough to go ahead and freeze her eggs. So when her treatments are done, she can go ahead and go on to conceive her child. But these are things that people my age need to know. I mean, she knows that because her her, her radiologist actually had this conversation with her and kind of point her in a direction. She never knew that. She wouldn't have known where to start. And you have to understand when you have cancer, they want to start the treatment immediately. And going through the whole process of um, cultivating an egg and everything, it takes weeks, right? And when you have cancer, especially triple negative, you want to start your treatment immediately, right? So, and being young and having the thing of your family or you don't even know if you want to have kids yet, but you don't want anyone to take that option away from you, right? Um, so again, that's the major thing I would take away from this is just being educated on being diagnosed at an early age and hopefully having to get screening before you're 40 years old. Right. right. So don't wait till you are older and then finding out that is actually have progressed um, over time. Right. You know, which hurt your chances of having kids. 
you know, oftentimes you hear that it's so far away, right? Yeah. When you're 40, like no big deal. Like you don't even think about it right now. So like what you were, you know, so true. You're just like, it, it feels so far away for you, you know, but it's not, you know, and it's like, it can come at any time. So better to check, you know, and like that option that you were mentioning with freezing the eggs, I didn't even know that that was a possibility. And I didn't even think about the whole side effects of taking those treatments and what it does to fertility. So that's a great point that you were mentioning too. And I mean, thank God, you know, like options of like freezing eggs and things like that, but who would have ever thought of that? You know, so I think that's so important. Exactly. And my my partner, Natasha, um, she's also on a website. Um, she's the VP for public relation and um, she's in early menopause, right? And she's been in there since she was 29. Wow. Right. Yeah, because of her treatment. Yeah. And, you know, she got married when she was 28, I believe, 28 or 29. And, you know, when you get married, you want to start your family, right? In a year or two. You know, and now it's 2000, she's 32, about to be 33, and she's still in early menopause and she wouldn't be able to have kids just yet until everything else is done. Wow. My God. You know, so there's a lot to think about when you get. Diagnosed at a young age. So, I mean, for anyone who gets diagnosed at an early age, it's hard. If you're 23 years old, you don't know if you're going to have kids. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you just finished college, your career is just booming. You know, even with me, my career, I was just at the peak, which I still am. I was at the peak of my career, right? And if you're new at your career and you're going through this, who said they're going to keep your job for how long? Right. Right. It, it changes a lot of things. I mean, I'm really, really fortunate to have the people that I work for. They were the most understanding people I have ever encountered, right? You have no idea. It was like, Wookie, don't worry about him. It's like, you're here. Don't even worry. Take as much time as you need. Like, don't, wow. don't think about it. Your job is safe. You know, my CEO called me, you know, my CEO, they were just, I mean, check up on me on a like, daily basis and telling me, okay, I don't want you to worry about your job. It's safe. Just get better because we want you back here. You know, that it, like I said, the support, you know, it was so important, but not everyone have a job or bosses who will actually literally care for you, right? My boss literally called me. I had a conversation with me. He's like, listen, I like you. You know, you're a great employee, but I look at you more than just an employee, you know? That's so cool. he's like, I want you to get better. Isn't it? Like, it's great. But you, these are things you have to think about your job. You know, when you're just starting out, when your career, your job, right? And then you have to think of kids. It's a lot. It's a lot of my for a young individual who's going through um, something as life altering as cancer. So education is the key, man. If anything happens, you want to know all your options when you get several diagnosis. Again, like I said, getting cancer at any age is hard, but most oftentimes people who are in the 40s, 50s, they, they already have their children, you know, and they're very seasoned perhaps in their career. You know, that could be some layaway for them versus someone who's in their 20s or in the early 30s who haven't, haven't experienced any of that, right? It makes it, it, makes it harder. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And then another question that I also have for you is like, what do you want people to know about life after cancer? It doesn't stop. So I I see quite often on social media or anywhere, oh, you beat cancer, woohoo, you're never done, (laughs) right? It it never just stops. You still need to support after the fact, right? Because not in your mind, you're thinking of reoccurrence, you know, is it going to happen again? Why do you constantly think about things constantly you know for example um 
as I said, I got diagnosed with the shingles, you know, a week ago, my arms was hurting. I was in so much pain. You know, the first thing that I thought of James, I think I came back again. Like I can feel it in my arms, like, you know, I mean, pain, like, you know, I was nervous. It could have been anything again, like the shingles, right. It could have been anything, but it's like, you have an anxiety. It's a consistent anxiety that you're living with for the rest of your life, right. Because you just don't know what can happen. Yeah, you know, so you know, people get excited and, and please be excited, you know, that someone won the battle. Be excited, but also keep in mind, you know, that person for you, yes, that person won the battle. However, what they're going through, their anxiety that they're gonna face on a daily basis. I mean, that's something you're not gonna know, but remember, just still keep to support because you just never know what that person is going through, regardless if they beat it or not, right? It's a constant struggle. You're such a warrior. Did I mention I love you already? Like how awesome you are (laughs) earlier? Because even throughout all this, right, you still are thinking about, and I said this earlier, about other people. So your company that you started throughout the midst of all this, Pink Dove, on top of your Mm full-time job, I just think it's absolutely incredible. So I'd love for you to talk about it and this the business in general and how it sort of came about in your mind as you were going through all this because I think it's so powerful like I literally get chills when like uh, just the thought of it I think it's amazing I really appreciate it and you know truth be told I'm so I'm humbly happy that it's been received so well and everyone is like so excited about it you know I get um, emails from a lot of warriors telling me thank you you know it's finally something they love the bras and it's, it's amazing to say the least, and this is exactly what I wanted, right? People to be excited about it, people to be happy, to feel that something belongs to them. They don't have to go on Google, how do I get a bra? They could just think of, oh, pinged up. Why, they might have some really, really nice bra for me to feel comfortable in, right? This is exactly what I wanted, just for people to feel happy. It's like happiness, because when you're going through something so dark, you know, as cancer, you want something to make you feel good, you know, make you feel happy at least, right? To brighten your day. So how this whole idea came about was, um, like I stated before, I came from the hospital and the bra that I received from the hospital was very uncomfortable. And I remember uh, my poor plastic surgeon, Dr. Christian, I feel bad for him because I was just giving to him all the time. I was like, you know what? This bra is so uncomfortable. Like, you need to be about it. He's such a nice doctor. And he said, you know what, Wookie? Don't worry. You could go into a regular bra, not a regular bra, but a, a, a wireless bra. So don't worry, Rookie. He was so nice. And I'll, you know, joke with him all the time. It's like, I'm going to start my own company and watch. Like, I'm sick of the hospital giving me these type of bras. And he will laugh about it and, and things like that. So, uh, and he gave me some idea too. So that was amazing, you know, for him to go ask him questions. And he'll give me idea. And I, the more I thought about it and I said, you know what? And he told me, he's like, okay, it's not going to be easy. But whatever you need help with, I'm more than happy to give you any, you know, advice a mentorship or whatever it is that you need so that was exciting that he was on board to help me whatever question that I had so the more I thought about it I was like you know what let me just let me do it let me try it out right it's going to keep my mind occupied anyways I know I had a lot to do with work don't get me wrong (laughs) I don't my boss watching this say oh so she wasn't working no no no, I was working really hard Uh, but yeah, so then I started with the bras. That's how I started, you know, with the bra because it was very, very, and again, you don't know what to do unless you're actually going through the situation yourself, right? So yeah, I started with the bra. It was very uncomfortable, the one that um, I received from the hospital. So, and, but I wanted it to be nice. 
That's why I wanted to be lace. You know, I have bought all these bras. It's in my um, drawer. Now I can never wear them again, right? Because they have to wire and I have to wear wireless bras. So I have all these beautiful bras that I spent 60, 70 bucks on. I can't even wear them. Right. In my mind, I was like, okay, that needs to be a better way. So I started doing my research, you know, looking at different manufacturers, seeing what to offer and things like that. So initially it started with the bra and then I started doing that. And then when I had my second surgery, I was traveling a lot for work. And I recall at the hospital say, you know, okay, if you're going to be traveling for work, you've just had surgery, you probably want to wear compression socks and, and things like that to keep your blood flowing. And those are things I never thought of until now I needed it. And I said, huh. That's something that is needed, compression socks. Oh, okay. That's something I could add onto the store. So then that came about, right? And then uh, I had a friend who lost her hair, you know, for cancer, and she was looking for hats and the hats that they had weren't, you know, she's a young, she's a young woman, and the hats that they had weren't flattering, you know. So then I thought about it. I was like, oh we need hats too, you know? So it just started like talking to different people who was going through the same situation and hearing their frustration and what they couldn't find and, and things like that. And I'll go on forum and conversate with the other ladies in a support group. And, and I would just hear them, you know, the frustration and them complaining about things they were looking for and how expensive um, it, it was, you know? And you have to understand going, cancer is expensive your hospital visit, your hospital bills, everything is so expensive. You know, you look at one hat, it's like $25, you know, that's, that's really expensive. So I thought, I was like, okay, you know what? I, I really have to focus on this business and I really have to make sure, and I have to think of not only what they need, I also have to make sure that it's budget friendly as well, right? I don't want to have a hat that's like $30, right? If I can find a manufacturer who's willing to work with me, you know, to give it to me at a good price. That way I can give it, you know, sell it, put on a website to the people who need it for a good price, right? So they don't have to break the bank after trying to pay for their medication and their um, treatments and everything like that because it gets really expensive. So yeah, it started with, of course, me complaining to my poor doctor about how uncomfortable the bra that he gave me, even though he mentioned I didn't make the bra. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you made this uncomfortable, you know, but no, you know, it, it went from that. And, and I, so I communicated with other warriors and I saw what the gap was and what was needed. So I literally started doing my research. I, you know, I would work during the day. I would go to my treatment and um, from 6 p.m. to, you know, Two o'clock in the morning, I'll be working on this business. So it was like literally my sleep pattern was all over the place. And I recall my doctor saying, you need to rest. If you need to get better, you need to rest. You know, you need to rest. Resting is essential for you to heal. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm resting, I'm resting. And I'll work on, I, I was literally working on it. And I recall, and, and, and it's funny, I should, have, I should have sent you this picture, but I recall um, having my surgery in April and this was when um, the virus had taken over and people was quarantined. So I couldn't stay in the hospital and I had to come home. And um, I had my surgery. I recall I came home. I was still like out of it. And I remember the doorbell ringing and James went downstairs because I was getting a lot of samples for the website because I wanted to test out all the qualities before I actually bring this out to other people. So I was testing out the samples. So I recall I was in bed out of it and James comes in the room. Oh, sweetheart, is one of your samples just came in. And I was like, okay, all right, get me up. I'm going to try it out to see. <laughs> I was like, I need to try it on. I need to make sure it's perfect so I can order it, you know? And it's funny. And he's like, no, 
no, no, no, go to bed. I was like, no, I need to try this on. And I literally remember I still had the markings on from the hospital. I'll send, send you the pictures and all the bandages and everything. I remember putting on uh, the dress that I just ordered. And I was like, James took a picture of me. <laughs> I didn't know. He's like, you can't do this. Like, you cannot do this. And I remember, and I was like, just do it, please. You know, and literally, I'm telling you, it, I didn't stop every single night, whether I was in a hospital or not, like this was a journey. This is something that I wanted to do. I was determined to get it done. I was determined. So literally I came up with this concept in October. I spoke with my partner, uh, Natasha, and another one of my partner, Natalie. And um, I told them what I was going to do. You know, they all thought I was crazy, obviously, but they were there to support. The support was there. And yeah, I was working on it. Literally, it took me eight months. Eight months, you know, I consulted with my attorney, went ahead, did all the trademarking and everything like that. And I was just coming up with different ideas, different things to do. And we came up with a community, right? As I stated before, it's important to have that strong support group. So we came up with a community. And in addition to that, on the platform, as you can see, we came up with a warrior story so other people can share their stories that will give, help, you know, hope to the next person that's reading it to know that, don't worry, you know, I know. Cancer is not the ideal thing anyone wants to get or hear, but hear another story. Like if someone look at my story now, right? I sincerely feel they will feel hope that they too can conquer this journey and live a good life after the fact, you know? So that was important. So yeah, when I came up with this concept, it was after speaking to some women who was going through this issue and, you know, couldn't find items that met their needs. Um, I was determined to fill in that gap. I was very determined to fill in the gap and I did just that. At least I hope I did it, but yeah. I, and I'm happy with, like, again, like I said, with all the reviews and all the purchasing and all the happiness that comes along with it. I get email from people, you know, for warriors who purchase things and say, oh my God, thank you so much. I love the bra. It's amazing. You know, oh, thank you so much for the shirts. It, you know, and I make sure I always put like little gifts and things there for them, you know, just to brighten up their day. It's important. You know, you know, it's funny because when you've been through so much, you know, I think you make a mission to make other people feel good, you know, because you know what it feels like to be down. You know what it feels like to, to just go through life. You know, it's hard. You, you know what it is to go through a hard time and you never want to see that with anyone else. And, I, and that's how I am, right? I've been through so much. So if I can help any way, I'm all for it. I'm constantly, I mean, any of my friends will tell you, I'm constantly like there for them, whatever they need, question. I mean, you name me, I'm there because I know what it is not to have anyone, right? So it's important to always have someone in your back corner, I feel. So, which is why I am the way that I am, obviously. <laughs> so awesome oh my god i'm so inspired by you truly i am I think you're absolutely amazing that like you're going through this journey yourself and like it's your mission to give that happiness back to and then through this company which is incredible so you launched that so was it like spring of last year oh, i'm launching in july oh you launched it in july okay yep i came up with it last year and then i started working on it um you know looking at samples as i stated before and um you know trying to get the trademark trying to get the whole website i mean you can see that website was a lot of work <laughs> you know trying to put the whole thing um together the color scheme i mean you name it the, from down to the little details right i was hands-on on every single thing you know doing it like every single day so yeah it started last year and we launched in um july in July. Oh my God. Yeah, so three months ago. Yeah. Oh, you had your surgery in the spring and then that's when you were still getting samples in and everything. Okay. And then you oh. launched by July. Wow. So you're only like yeah. 
super early into the business already. Super early and the review and then, you know, then receiving this early on is, is amazing. I'm excited. I'm extremely excited about it. Oh man, this is just the beginning for you. You're literally scratching the surface. It's just rewarding. I like you don't understand. I feel I mean, even if this business didn't go anywhere, I'm happy. Like I'm happy. This is rewarding. I was able to do this. Right. And the little people it have um helped. I'm excited. You know, I nothing at this point can ever make me feel sad or you know, that even like I say, if it didn't go anywhere, I'm I'm ecstatic that I was even able to put this together uh while going through all of this myself. So I'm happy. I, I really am. I'm excited. It's like joy every day. <laughs> so amazing. I just think it's beyond remarkable, like what you're doing and especially this business, the joy that it's going to bring to the warriors. And I love that you use that term too. You use the term warriors, not victims, warriors. No, you know, we're not victims. amazing, you know, and such a positive spin on it, which I think is absolutely remarkable. And now another question that I have for you is what would your older self tell your younger self? I ask this question to all my guests and I love all the different responses. Okay, you're crazy. Okay. (laughs) You're crazy. You know what? Honestly, I would just say, well, just keep on going. Keep on going. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, like I've made obviously growing up a lot of uh, mistakes, right? But funny that you asked this question. I love that you asked that question because I think of this constantly all the time. I'm the kind of girl who talks to herself in a marriage just so I know everyone knows. Like, I'm my own coach, right? I sit there and I say, Wookie, you're going to get up today and you're going to, you know, I motivate myself every morning if I get up. And I have this type of conversation with myself and I think about, you know, what I would have changed and what I would have done differently. And, And time and time again, I come back to I wouldn't change much. And the only reason why I say that, because that really mold me into the woman that I am today, right? And I say this because I made so much mistakes back then, right? And I'm happy I'm still young where I was able to correct those mistakes because I've made those mistakes that I've learned from. I have been able to help so many of my friends. You have no idea. So many of my friends, you know, get through a situation because I have gone through a situation. I've always said, hey guys, listen, I did this before. I don't think it's a good idea. A perfect example is college, for instance, right? I had to put myself through college. So I how the system work is you get financial aid. If you're 24, if you are um, younger than 24, you cannot get financial aid until your parents sign for it. Or if you have a child or home, then you could file for financial aid on your own, right? Besides that, you can I do it. So it was hard for someone like me who's trying to do the right thing, go to school, couldn't get the aid that she needed. So I would go... I had two jobs. I would go when I had the funds to pay. And uh, when I didn't, I, I just wouldn't go that semester, right? Because I didn't have the money. But when I turned 24, now that I was able to get financial aid, I literally figured out a way. I was like, okay, how can I get a way to go really fast, you know, so I can be get my degree already and be done. So I did a lot of research on my own, on the internet. And then I found this um, one college Actually, the initial college that I wanted to go to, and I, I, and, I and I found out that it had a program that you can go through and it will make the process faster basically right it will it went by trimesters and um, if you go at nighttime it's cheaper it was just like little things that I didn't know without doing the research so long story short I finished school three friends of mine I told them exactly what I did and how I did every single one of them did exactly what I did and now they are done so when you ask a question like what would I tell my old self what could you do exactly what you did because whatever you did helps other people as well and I just didn't learn from my experience I'm able to share my experience with other people to kind of help them you know 
kind of find like an easier way to do things, right? Because I don't want anyone to struggle like the way that I struggle. So if I can help anyone, you know, to easing their burden, I'm more than happy to do so. So it's sad that I have to go through all the things that I went through, but I'm also excited that I went through them because I'm now I'm able to help other people as well to make their life easier. That's amazing. You're such a giving, yeah. loving person. The fact that it's about <laughs> it's about everyone else but you, which I find extremely. Wrong. I know all the time, and I, you know, and it's funny because James and I, uh, I, I said to him, I was like, you know what? No help. Twenty twenty. I'm just, I'm just gonna focus on me. Just gonna focus on me and my health. And even that, I can't even do. <laughs> you know, even that, I can't even do. You know, I get a phone call. I'm like, okay, I'll be there. You know. <laughs> well, <it's- laughs> So it's just it's just my character, it's who I am, right? You can you cannot change that, right? And I and I feel like good things come to those who do good things anyway. So amen. You, you just have to lead by example, right? You have to be the best version of yourself. That's how I look at life. Just be a good person. Even when no one's watching. Amen to that. And you were sharing with me before the interview, which I thought was so amazing. So if you want to share it with the audience, who you might be interviewing with. Oh, light. Ellen. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm like, it's too exciting to like not talk about. And the reason why I asked is because you're speaking it into existence. <laughs> yes. It's so early. It's still in the preliminary stage, but you know, I'm excited. You know, when I reached out, I was like, oh my goodness. What? Like what? You know, I was really, really excited. I, I was, I'm still excited. I mean, even if nothing comes to flourish, I'm, I'm excited that the fact that you even called me, you know, and that's amazing. Ellen's team and it was about you and Pink Dove and oh god that's so awesome and you're not even like 12 weeks into this thing well technically yeah you're yeah but still it's fairly early still that's what I mean it's like it's so early and like if you get that type of exposure like this just means it's only going to magnify which is absolutely incredible so I'm so excited to see what you do in the future I like I have a feeling there's going to be a part two to this already I'm like, I'm really, I mean, it was a pleasure, you know, sitting here talking with you, meeting you, you know, you're amazing. You're great. I saw all the great things you have done. I'm like, whoa, look at her. Good, like, good for you. It's very impressive. I love that, you know, like, well-rounded woman. Thank you so much. You are as well. You're a rock star. Now you got to tell everyone where they can find you, your website and social media. Oh, absolutely. Find me on Pink Dove, you know, www.pinkdove.com. Obviously we're on LinkedIn as well. Pink Dove Co, um, Instagram, Pink Dove Co and Facebook, Twitter, uh, Pink Dove Co as well. So yeah, look out. We have a lot of important information, a lot of educational information, especially on the Pink Dove website where we have the knowledge lab. It's one thing to get diagnosed and it's another thing to be looked apart, but it's important to be educated at the same time and know your diagnosis and know all of your options. Yeah, so you can find all of that on our website. That's amazing, Mookie. Thank you so, so much for being here today. I greatly appreciate you. I love your story. I love your mission. You're so amazing. You're only going to do more amazing things from here on out. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode.